We made you! Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers, bringing you our Shooting the Flames for October. That's right, so this is the monthly episode where Chris and I sit down to chat about horror news and recent trailers, as well as some movies that we watched the previous month, and most importantly, talk about listener comments and questions from you guys. And we got a lot of comments from our episodes throughout the end of August and uh, September, starting with our episode on the greatest horror movie quotes. So if you guys recall, Chris and I sat down and we were going to attempt to do our top 10 favorite horror movie quotes or maybe most iconic. And there were just so many that we just sort of sat there and sort of traded quotes back and forth from like gillions of movies. (laughs) (laughs) Our first comment from the greatest horror movie quotes episode is from Battle Burrito, who left a very important quote in a gift form that we forgot to mention. But you are, Blanche. You are in the chair. How in the hell did we forget whatever yeah. happened to Baby Jane? <laughs> I know. I feel so bad about that because I, I we actually have T-shirts. Let's yeah, the quote. Both we are. <laughs> but you are, Blanche. You are in the chair. <laughs> Uh, at RL Terry said, Freddie truly has the best one-liners. Loved all the ones that you mentioned. I have to agree. I love all the quippy shit that Freddy Krueger says. It just makes him an endearing horror icon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The next set of uh, comments come from our hot take on the movie Ready or Not. RL Terry says, loved your take. I concur 100%. I get a feeling that a lot of people liked this movie. So that really makes me very, very happy. But the bulk of our listener comments in September came from our Shooting the Flames episode. And you'll remember in this episode, we played a series of voicemails that we got from Patrick Johnson, uh, you know, sort of expressing his disdain for our hot take of his unreleased movie, 47 Hours. Yes. And of course, he is the director for that movie. Yeah. So our first comment comes from at Cody Landman. Those voicemails were really fucked up. That's not a good way to get others to want to check out your work. Like you guys said, you got to have thicker skin in the entertainment industry. It's true. Um, at Battle Burrito also commented on this one. He said, seriously, I think he was just trying to save face at the end. That shit seemed totally inappropriate. Hashtag Patrick Johnson. Hashtag 47 hours. And I think for hashtag 47 hours goes to like a Beyonce song or something. Well, and then if you keep scrolling down, someone's using that hashtag as some sort of inspirational message for people who are battling cancer or something oh like God. that. And I was just like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> So the next comment comes from at TFC pod and they say, I feel so uncomfortable listening to this lunatic. This was quite the journey. What an actual psycho. Um, But not all of the comments were sort of negative toward the director, because if you recall, during the episode, Chris had said that he was trying to decide whether or not that director was being tongue in cheek or being playful with the messages in some sort of way. And at Ignatius Straga on Twitter says, I actually thought those voicemails were tongue in cheek, too. So, I mean, some people didn't quite take it as offensively as others did. Yeah, and that savage underscore JC from Instagram said, oh my god, those voicemails were amazing. I was dying. I think you two, if you don't already, should feel like you have officially made it as film reviewers. (laughs) Like, you didn't just get an angry email. You got a fucking voicemail from a director. Fucking podcast gold. I know it doesn't always feel great when people say shitty things to you and you guys handled it very professionally. Be proud. Thank you, and we are. I was super worried that we would come across as sounding like jerky or things 
things. But, you know, having listened back to the episode, I feel that we expressed ourselves well. And I'm yeah. I'm happy with what I had to say about the situation. And I'm completely ready to, to move on from it as podcasters and film reviewers. And honestly, if it happens again, I mean, it's a good learning tool. And I'll just say my spiel all over again. We also got some questions. The first one coming from at Cody Landman. And he says... I've recently started listening to the podcast and I'm loving it. You guys and your discussions are great and fun. And I love your passion and love for horror. A question I have for you is what are some of your scariest movie moments? That's a really good question. So I've said before recently, too, that I'm completely terrified of the movie The Strangers. And uh, to me, like the scariest moment in that movie, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, Liv Tyler's like alone in the house. And it's the first instance that we know that one of these masked people is in the house. And you can see him behind her while she's just going about her business. And it just completely terrifies me. Also, in a movie that doesn't scare most people, uh, The Birds, I get really tense and nervous at the scene where um, Melanie Daniels is sitting outside the schoolyard and birds are landing one by one on the playground equipment. It's tense. Like, every time I watch that scene, it's, I get don't scared. Be, yeah. I, it's tense, right? And it's manufactured by Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. So I certainly wouldn't feel guilty for that. No. Uh, for me, I would say I would echo The Strangers as yeah. well. But, you know, I'd say like there's a couple of things like if something's like they just don't see much or don't explain it, the more mysterious it is. Yeah. Like to me, the almost more scary it is. So there's moments from like White Noise, for instance, mm-hmm. where like you'll just see the shadows that were there all seen leave in threes or something. And it's like you didn't realize they were there all the time and they were watching and listening and malevolent, you know. And so that kind of thing freaks me out. Like I just got chills talking about it. And then there was like a – I think something similar to that like in um, Exorcism of Emily Rose, right, where they're just kind of talking about there's forces surrounding this trial or whatever. And you see these dark shapes move like across the path and stuff and you just don't know what it is. It's not explained. Is it like Satan himself? Is it something else? Like you don't know, but it's incredibly tense and ominous. And those are the types of things that kind of give me goosebumps and, you know, it's right. I mean, I, I completely agree with that, too. It doesn't always have to be visual either for me. Like there are some times that like audio scares me quite a bit. And uh, there's a movie called Session Nine about these guys sort of taking asbestos out of this old um, asylum. And one guy discovers all these recorded sessions with someone with like multiple personalities. And he just sits there and the camera pans around him while it plays the audio. And it's the scariest thing. And I just get, you know, physically frightened and scared like just watching that particular scene so it's a good question yeah um andrew from friday the 13th asks do you have any upcoming releases that you are over the moon excited about so I asked him if we were limited to just theatrical releases, and he says, no, go for it, whatever you want. So um, I'm super excited to see the movie Memory, Origin of Aliens. Oh, right? yeah, me too. So this is a documentary that's coming about about Ridley Scott's original Alien from mm-hmm. 1979. And I think it sort of delves into like how they wrote the movie and how like Giger made all his drawings and things like that. And it's incredibly interesting to me. I can't yeah. wait to see it. And why some of those things that they show in that film are so psychologically disturbing and why they've lasted so long and why it's a classic on different levels. And uh, I think that's a conversation that has been well-documented and I think academia mm-hmm. and some making of stuff, but not necessarily in pop. So it's going to be interesting to see this documentary. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I love watching documentaries anyway, especially when they're about horror movies. So this one's going to be fantastic. I'm also looking forward to the new season of American Horror Story because it seems like they're sort of redeeming themselves a little bit this year. Could be. Going back to horror basics and it looks fantastic. By the time that this podcast recording is released, it will have already been airing. So we'll know for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Horror News. So, first up in the news, we've got Season 2 of The Haunting of Hill House, or Bly Manor, goes full-on AHS. Meaning American Horror Story. Yeah. Right? So, what does that mean? It means that they are bringing back original cast members to play different roles in this second season. Including, I think, the director's wife. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, a lot of the cast is coming back. And, I'm, I mean, they haven't even started filming she was yet. The, so. She was the edgy... Um, She's a lesbian, lesbian character. Yeah. <laughs> I loved her. She was great. Yeah, she was my favorite character, I think. I mean, a lot of these people are coming back, and I was already excited about it before I knew this, but I really enjoyed the acting in that movie. I think they did a fantastic job, and I would love to see them take it to a different story altogether. And I really enjoyed that style of filmmaking. Yeah, so. me too. I, I want them to keep going, and I'm just interested to see what other stories they might do, like House of Usher or something next. You know, you never know. What if they continue to do, like, literature – like that really makes me excited because I love like I love haunted house literature. It's and so you, good. You never know; they yeah. might do their own take on like something like The Shining. Oh yeah, know? that'd be they awesome. Totally could. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Uh, so next up, they have reported that Battlestar Galactica is having another reboot, and it's coming to NBC streaming service. So yet another streaming service that we're gonna have to subscribe to to watch Kill this. Me. Like... It's, the, the streaming service is called Peacock. <laughs> so. <laughs> It hasn't come out yet, but we don't need one. I like, are you talking about like the streaming service or the reboot? Pick one. Yeah, both. So what uh, they say in the article is that the reboot is going to be both a reboot of the original 70s short lived series and the reboot from Sci-Fi Channel. Right. Which is amazing. So I don't best shows ever ever made. Agreed. I don't know what they're going to do with this reboot. I I completely agree that we don't need it, but Maybe I they'll mean, bring cast members back. I mean, the the reimagining is what they called it for the 2004 version that started in 2004. Yeah, um, they brought back a couple of cast members from the from the first one, just you know, to play actual important parts. So. Well, you need to have some sort of callback. But I mean, after the remake or reboot of Battlestar Galactica, this latest one, they had sequels, didn't they? Have like Caprica and stuff that came after that. That was a spinoff show I never watched. Yeah, and they so never reached the heights of the original, but they did no. have two like spinoff movie things made for TV movies and stuff. Why don't they just like DVD type stuff? Remaster this and like just show it again. I don't. I like don't. Pegasus know. and Razor or something. I think. I don't know. I, I never watched know. it. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed the uh, the Battlestar Galactica reboot, and I mean, I just I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. Next up, Andy Muschietti is developing an adaptation of Stephen King's short story The Jaunt. That's right. And I think he's also doing another Stephen King adaptation of Roadwork as well. So he's really dipping his toes into the Stephen King universe. I love the short story that John, it's all about like teleporting. Oh. And like it's a family, they're about to teleport to like another planet from Earth and they're telling their children the story of how it was discovered and developed, right? It's a really interesting short story and I'd love to see how they were going to film this. A long time ago, they were going to make an adaptation 
adaptation with Brad Pitt in it or something like that. Like it was going to be really weird. But I, this guy did a good job with it. And I, if he you know appreciates Stephen King's work, I think that he really puts his heart and soul into it. And so even taking a short story or a short novel, I think that he could turn it into something great. Um, and finally, Jamie Lee Curtis recently sat down and did an interview talking about the upcoming two Halloween movies that are coming out. It's like Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends coming out in 2020 and 2021. And she is saying that there's a lot of like ass kicking going on. They're bringing back more characters from the original movie sort of grown up, which they've already done. So like the kids they were babysitting, like Tommy Doyle is coming back. And um, she says that she's she's read the script and she's promising that it's going to be a good conclusion. Like they're creating just their own little trilogy. And she's super excited about it. Well, I think that's awesome, uh, especially because like at first I was worried that this was just going to be schlock because the first this one was, you know. Yeah. And I thought it ended well, mm-hmm. you know, and that she was prepared and that she had set up the trap and everything. But, you know, I, I look forward to it because originally they were going to they had like at least two movies worth planned in one and they decided, hey, we're going to we're going to split it up or split it up, I guess, now into three and mm-hmm. we filled some more gaps and uh, just wanted to know, you know, how, how this first one goes. And obviously it was very well received. Yes. And so they're going to go ahead and do the rest that was kind of already written for the most part before the first one came out. So mm-hmm. that gives me a little bit of hope, you know, that this wasn't just a reaction to the market. Well, and yeah, if they already had the script written and they were originally going to film two movies back to back anyway, and the studio was like, let's just see how this goes, right? But uh, I mean, if it's the same writing team, director, things like that, I mean, it, it has the same feel as that. I mean, I don't even want to call it a reboot anymore because it's not. It's just a continuation of the original movie. I mean, I have high hopes for it. I just hope that my theater going experience for these two movies is different I think yeah. I've learned a lesson and I'll go see it at a different time than I did because <laughs> yeah. obviously Halloween is a very popular franchise even today sure coming soon the first trailer that I've written down to tell you guys about is a movie called Villains which comes out September 20th I think it's already been out on like the the festival circuit yeah it played South by Southwest this year for sure and it looks super interesting yeah it and looks it's like got, uh, the guy from It who plays It Bill Skarsgård Bill Skarsgård yeah, yeah. And a couple other people in there, but it looks super intriguing. It has, uh, I think her name is Micah Monroe, the girl from It Follows. Yeah, the tone is thriller and almost like a dark comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it looks kind of straight up dark comedy, but also very, very much horror. Yeah, it looks very like there's disturbing, some sort of actually. Zombie ish type of thing going yeah. on in the basement, but it looks fairly intimate. Uh, stage play-ish, which I love. Mm-hmm. So who knows? But they're, they're, it looks like they're holding some things close to the chest here. So I'm really looking forward to seeing villains. And I had read some things. People were posting things on Twitter after South by Southwest saying that it was a great movie and, you know, it's for sure going to be picked up. And I'm super interested to see it. It's right up my alley. I mean, I really like home invasion-y kind of movies with very small amounts of characters in a confined space. And mm-hmm. this is no exception. And Kira Sedgwick just looks amazing in this trailer. So I'm all about it. Is that Kira Sedgwick? Yes. Holy crap. I know. Okay. Uh, next up is the trailer for the new television series Creep Show, which is going to debut on Shudder September the 26th, which is my birthday. It's like Shudder just gave me a birthday present. Again. Yeah. I know. So they're just knocking it out of the park with personalized horror for me because I love Creep Show. And I think this trailer looks incredibly fun. It does. It looks a lot smarter than the movie. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> unlike the movie, it will have different directors and different writers for each segment. And I think that they're not releasing it in a bingeable way. They're going to release it one week at a time. I'm feeling like that sort of thing's coming back. Yeah. And so I happen to like to be able to binge things at my own pace. Me too. So I'll probably – and I hate waiting for things. So I may, I may just wait until it's all released and then I'll sit down and watch all the creep show. Yeah. So – but it looks great. Um, sort of a return to form to serialized like horror that we haven't seen on television in quite a while. I know that they're doing at least one Stephen King adaptation. It's Grey Matter. I yeah. Think that's the very first episode. Yep. And they're also doing a short story from his son as well. Oh, okay. So Who has his own show now yeah Nosferatu that's Mm -hmm. right I mean like the kings are the king hills I guess and uh, speaking of which Netflix is releasing a movie called In the Tall Grass it'll be out October 4th so right before this podcast will drop and but Netflix has a way of releasing their trailers like sometimes days or a week before the show comes out so yeah yeah, there's no way to prepare but this has been on the like upcoming movie list for quite a while it's based on a short novel novella by Stephen King and his son they took turns writing different segments of the book oh okay it's got Patrick Wilson in it. I mean, yeah. Oh. So horror cred. Yeah, it looks it looks good. It looks creepy. Okay. So the next thing on our list is Are You Afraid of the Dark? No. Which of course was my favorite horror serialized television show back when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I watched it all the time. I even created my own little midnight club. Did you really? Stories with my sister. Yeah, that's nice. You know, so this is going to be October 11th. However, it is only. It looks like it's only going to be a three part miniseries. I on further inspection. I never really watched Are You Afraid of the Dark? So you this know? may just be for this October and then maybe see if they if it's popular enough on Nickelodeon, you know, to see if they're going to actually make another long form show. And I think what they're doing is they're just taking one story and they're breaking it up over three longer episodes. Like everything that I, I saw. I think it's three separate stories. Because everything I saw in the trailer had to do with that dark carnival. And I like I was just like, well, are they not doing different stories? Is this like a just a straight up miniseries of a I movie? And think they're calling they it that. I, I mean, think they are doing three separate. But like he said, you you know you can't take too much from the trailer. It looks like one kind of story. But uh, I was reading that it was just going to be three parts uh, in the kind of like their show notes on YouTube, mm-hmm. and they mentioned a couple different villains type of situations. Okay. And so I think they might just be. Dropping the trailer for like the first one or the first one. Well, it looks good. I mean, like I, I've never seen an episode of Are You Scared of the Dark? Like not a single one. Are You Afraid of the Dark? Really? Is that what it's called? Yeah, no, I've I've never watched it. Holy crap! Some of them were good, and and I keep hearing that. You know, so many actors that got like everyone started got their start in that show. Apparently, like Like Canadian or something. I don't. I mean, when I was watching this trailer, it sort of was like everything I wanted scary stories to tell in the dark to be. Right. I, it looks modern. It looks scary, but still accessible. And it doesn't look like a slog like that movie was. And so I will sit down and watch this one. And maybe like the one time I've turned on Nickelodeon since I was nine. Yeah. You know? There were good and bad, different directors, different actors every time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's you can give it a chance multiple times. I wonder if that's available on streaming somewhere. I can just go back and watch some of those episodes. I created like a night because we used to watch like Ren and Stimpy, Roundhouse, Clarissa Explains It All, and Are You Afraid of the Dark pretty much in one night. It was like Nick at Night on Wednesdays or something back in the day or Thursdays. I've seen Ren and Stimpy. And so I like had manufactured a little night for me and my sister, you know, 20 years later. Uh, so they're, they're all pretty much available on Amazon. Oh, my God. Y'all had so much bonding time when y'all were kids. Remember then I were just like, we're going to go do our own thing. Thanks. 
Uh, next up is a movie called Gretel and Hansel. It's coming out in January of 2020, so not too far away. And this trailer looks fucked up. It does, but it looks good. <laughs> yes. And the witch is played by Alice Craig, otherwise known as the Borg Queen yes. for some of you. So, yeah, it looks really good to me. Uh, I saw in the casting that they have a younger version of the witch as an actress mm -hmm. in there somewhere. Don't recognize the actress, but that tells me that they're going to do some flashbacks or something or an origin story for the witch or something along those lines. Maybe it's like a continuation where she's actually vetting the next witch. I don't know. But the, uh, the actress that plays Gretel, of course, was from it. She's the redheaded. Red -headed and she girl. was good. She was good in those movies. Yeah. I liked her as yeah. an actress and character. Um, she's going to grow up to be Jessica Chastain. So <laughs> clearly I love when they take, like fairy tales and make them scary, right? I really like that little subgenre of horror. I guess you could call that folk horror. Well, right? it is folk horror, yeah, but it's also scary already, which yes, is kind of, of the course, point yeah, of that particular story. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing that. It looks really really good. And of course, the last thing on our list is what we already mentioned, which is Memory: The Origin of Alien. But we've already talked about that. So what we're going to do is we're going to send you all of the links to the trailers from YouTube on our show notes. So check those out. That's right. Go watch them and let us know what you think. Recommendations. Well, I have to start off by saying that, of course, we went to see Ready or Not. And we did mention slightly that we did come back and watch... The babysitter, mm -hmm. because tomorrow uh, weaving. Yeah, poor man's Emma Stone. Emma Stone. He's <laughs> 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 suddenly Irish. Is uh, you know is in babysitter, and so we were kind of blown away by the babysitter. Mm -hmm. It was so tongue in cheek, so referential, so referential to other horror movies. Uh, just a really really fun and bonkers ride, and it's right there on Netflix. You have to check it out. It's high quality, well acted. It's fun. It's a little scary. Uh, not really, but I mean, it's just, it's really good, dark fun. So check that one out. And, uh, so when, when, uh, when Rob from Movie Geek and Proud was listening to our hot take on Ready or Not, we had mentioned, or I had mentioned that I hadn't seen The Babysitter or Mayhem, which is on Shudder. And he sent us a message, a DM, and he was just like, go watch The Babysitter and Mayhem now, like for the love of little baby Jesus. And I was just like, we've corrected one of those things. So yeah. The Babysitter was so good. Yes. And I, I think it. I actually liked it more than you did, which is rare. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously there were some things that I would change. You know what I mean? But I liked, I, I liked, like, this uh, is a four out of five. And you're like, it's a three and a half for me or something like that. I mean, I don't think I had that much disdain in my voice when I said it, but it was an enjoyable movie. I would totally watch it again. It wasn't as fun as Ready or Not, I think, for me. It was more nostalgic than Ready or Not, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of like referential to, you know, other the horror 80s movies, babysitter and, killer movies and stuff. Yeah. So it kind of flips the script a little bit, mm -hmm. but I don't want to spoil too much. So what else did you watch, Chris? I watched Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, and we started actually watching this together. Right. Did you ever finish it? I have not finished it yet. You monster. I know. Because after you get over like the first two episodes, which I really still enjoy, but apparently for people, especially if they have not seen the original Dark Crystal okay. from 1982, which we actually covered on Patreon mm -hmm. for our Flamers uh, flashback segment uh they said i think they say it's like this is very plot heavy there's too many characters or something it's very kind of same problem the game of thrones had yes, you know, in the first right. couple episodes but once you see the first like two episodes or so the exposition's done and you can move forward and it moves forward trust me it goes forward fast and it gets dark and there is some nightmare fuel in this show just like there was in the first movie uh -huh. but this one goes way further and i'm talking like you know like most people say like the hands really bother them in labyrinth when all the hands come together and make mm -hmm. faces 
faces. Well, picture that, but with spiders. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So it goes places, you know? And uh, and there's a lot of other things that happen in there, too. But it is just so, so, so good. I could not have asked or dreamed or wished for a better, you know, series based on the Dark Crystal. They just knocked it out of the park. And they were smart enough to do an actual documentary on it while they were doing it. Oh. So there is a free documentary on the making of the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance on Netflix, and it is great. Oh, nice. That's good to know. Yeah. I, so I think we just watched the first two episodes together. Or was it the yeah. first three? It shows like how the puppeteers have to use the, uh, the, the to do the Skeksis. And uh-huh. they literally have to be standing up in the costume with this thing. They have to be looking down at a small monitor to see what they're doing wrapped to their chest. And then their hand is above above them for hours doing the, the beaks of the oh, Skeksis. Oh, see, that is like masterful. And, and they're just doing all of it. And then someone's with a remote control making them blink and do little quirks with their face and stuff at the same time so it's just so much technology you know and and so much you know artistry put into everything every blade of grass in this thing is manufactured because everything has to be below the floor so they can control the puppets mm-hmm. every single little thing in this in the series was made by an artist or a designer and there's a little bit of cg in there to complement but it is few and far between and it is fairly seamless Things that you wouldn't actually expect uh, to be puppets or actually there in the scene are in the scene. Like I thought for sure the crystal that's floating there was CG. No. 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 Oh God. In fact, the, and they have the handheld cameras documentary style where they're making the documentary. And they're walking around the crystal and it's all lit up like that. You can't see a string. It's all just floating there. That's neat. <laughs> and it's all there in camera. So it was really cool. And you, you also get to see a puppet uh, or actually a group of puppets putting on a puppet show. So it gets really meta and it's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. So I am going to finish it. I want to. I, I think I was waiting to see if my husband wanted to continue watching it with me or not. And I can't remember if he fell asleep while we were watching it. Well, very rarely do I want to just instantly watch a whole series over again after yeah. I finish it. But I definitely wanted to. That's pretty high praise. So, yeah. okay. And, and, and this cast is stacked. Jason Isaacs and Mark Hamill and Lena Aquafina Owen. <laughs> Uh, all of these actors are just like I could go on and on. Weaver. Yeah, so they're all in that, and it's just a, it's amazing. I think so. I'm just gonna have to start all over again too and watch those first two episodes. It's worth I mean, it. I'm there, telling you, there is a lot of exposition in those two episodes and a lot so of characters. Good. But I mean, it's not something that I haven't seen before, and it's really not difficult to keep up with. You know, I mean, all these puppets look different enough to tell them apart. Yeah, yeah. and there's a little bit because the actors like had to talk. You know, or record after the puppets, the actors, you know, actually making the puppets talk, we're doing it. So they did that separately. So there's a little bit of um, not matching the, the beaks, especially with the, like the the uh, Skeksis. Yeah. So I would say that if you can get over that, too, with the exposition, like I got over it real quick. Well, and of course, there's going to be some disconnect anyway, because these puppets don't have lips, you know, and that's uh, essential to watching someone talk. They're just opening and closing their mouths. It's yeah. Not so gonna be, the Skeksis yeah. who have beaks and stuff. So right. it's like a little bit like, but they did do little bit of like CG tongues and stuff on okay. some point so it's like actually really fun just remember if you guys haven't started this don't be scared by the exposition or characters you don't have to know everyone's name maybe I mean like if you see them on screen and you can tell these characters apart then you're probably good to go for the story yeah right? so don't let those first two episodes scare you well I guess I should get off my gushing train so 
we can talk about the next thing that I watched, which was Mindhunter Season 2. On my list. Yeah. So if you were any kind of fan of true crime, you know, or anything like that, Silence of the Lambs, you know, uh, Seven, that sort of thing, this is a story about, uh, you know, the original, F, you know, FBI agents like, that are kind of building this behavioral science unit to start the profiling and actually coin the term serial killer. Mm-hmm. And so they're going through all this and interviewing all these serial killers and trying to catch ones that are actually in the act of it. And it is incredibly fascinating and well done. It's actually produced in part by Charlize Theron, who, of course, was in Monster oh, really? uh, as Eileen Warnos. You know, so uh, when it's Fincher. Yeah. 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 And so it's the whole thing is uh, is just reminiscent of Silence of the Lambs and a lot of that. And it's just so well done. Uh, The atmosphere is really, really well done. The acting is amazing. It's just a really, really high quality show. I think the second series. Sorry, the second season. I'm not in England. The second season is higher rated than the first. I loved the first season. So I watched it all in like the course of a day and a half. You know, So yeah, no, it's worth it. We watched it in two outings. So. Who are some of the serial killers in the second season? Manson, right? Manson is included. And And something about the Atlanta child murders and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big time. That's Mm -hmm. a big section of the Atlanta child murders. Yeah, I love it. And it does conclude on that. Uh, However, they also are continuing the story of the BTK killer. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, because in the first season, they were showing like snippets of him at the beginning of each episode, right? Yeah, they continue his whole thing. I don't think he gets caught until the 2000s the 2000s after he gets greedy and starts just mailing people you know and all this new technology of surveillance he mails someone a fucking disc and he well he actually wrote a letter he was like can you trace a floppy disc and they're like no and so he mails it in and they're like ha just kidding JK we can totally trace it (laughs) idiot (laughs) how do you murder people for three fucking decades and then get caught because you're Stupid. That's why we don't have serial killers anymore. Right. It's because we have way too much technology in order for them to really exist past a first or second offense. I mean, we still have serial right? killers. And three but... makes that pattern. No. You know, so sure, we might. But I mean, it's much, much, much harder to be a serial killer today with all of the cameras around oh, that people yeah. have access to, with all the surveillance, what they have to go through to catch these patterns when I know that they have computers that just in a split second can give you a pattern for where it's likely of the you know serial killer is going to show up next or mm-hmm. leave a body next or something and they helped to do all that on paper on whiteboards or chalkboards or whatever you know just to kind of guess well, and now it's down to an exact science and not so, even aside good from luck, serial killers please and also I mean like people are so like the, the culture of true crime these days and people are paying a lot more attention to current crimes as well and so something happens and it's posted in a thousand one places on social media a serial killer does not stand a chance I mean yeah. for reals so we both saw it, Chapter Two. Yes. I believe we're going to be doing a hot take on that. I think so. so. I think we're going to put a pin in that conversation. So let's just move forward with Robert's favorites. So in September, I sort of took a break from horror movies. It's shocking. I don't normally do that throughout the year. But in October, I like to do a 31 and 31 where I sit down each day and watch a different horror movie. And, Masochist. Yeah. And this month, this month is this year is going to be no different. So I look forward to that on our Twitter feed. I'll be posting that stuff of what I'm watching that particular day. But um, in September, I was like, well, I need just a a twinge of a break before I just kill it in October. And first, I had a little double feature. I sat sat down one day, and I watched Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man, finally. Finally, yeah. Yeah, after you had talked about them on a Shooting the Flames episode prior. And which one did you like better? 
I liked Rocket Man better. Me too. And we're the minority, I believe. Really? I think so. I mean, I would say that Bohemian Rhapsody is the more accessible movie as far as like the masses go. So when I'm watching a movie about a band or a musical artist or something sort of like a a biopic style, I like to have music in it. And Rocket (laughs) Man was a straight up musical. Essentially. And I just, I mean, I loved the shit out of it. I thought it was really good. Now, neither movie is perfect by any means. No, but I feel like I had a more honest and like more matter of fact approach to him being gay. Yes. Than Bohemian Rhapsody did, which was more of like from the perspective of the band, I felt like their storytelling it and and some of their attitudes towards it kind of crept into that, I think. Well, and that's when the they're thing telling is that, of that, which was kind of pissed me off a little bit. A so little the band members from Queen produced Bohemian Rhapsody, yes, versus, and Elton John produced exactly. Rocket Man. So I mean, you're going to get a more firsthand account from Rocket Man because Elton John's still around to tell his story. Yeah, and it wasn't incredibly complimentary on him. He went no, he did a big, huge story beat in there with his substance abuse. Exactly, and he did it, and so you know what? But I right. also feel that he probably left some things out. I think. It probably could have got a lot darker than what it is, you know? And maybe that's just, I mean, not what, you know, an American audience is going to want to see. They ultimately want a more lighthearted or feel-good story about a musical artist that they already love, you know? Yeah, everyone wants to know some of the dirty details, but not too, too dark, right? Yeah. The one thing I didn't like about Rocket Man is when it ended and they had all those, like, pre, you know, post-movie, like, Elton John is now married to his partner and he's blah, 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 blah. And they had pictures of him and whatnot, I was like, okay, you know, we didn't have to do all of that. That seemed a little self-serving. I like knowing that the they ended in the music video. I'm still standing, and of course, he was high as fuck. And oh yeah, he was doing that. Mm-hmm. So it's like because they were like, he's been sober for X number of years, and I was like, well, not when that video was made. <laughs> I'm like, come on. It so, was well done, though. Yeah, he was. It was a well, well made movie, well acted movie. Oh, Taron yeah. Edgerton did a fantastic job. I assume kidding. that he is going to be yeah. nominated for an Oscar. He'll be nominated for Rocket Man, certainly. Um, so one last thing about Bohemian Rhapsody before I move on, I have not seen the other nominees for Best Actor from last year. I've seen a good handful of them. I'm not. I mean, like Remy Malik, he was good in that movie, yeah, but sure. was he fantastic though? I mean, it seemed like well, he acted straight the from the tooth, you know. And I'm like, okay, he didn't have a choice. They gave him that. Yeah. This is just one of those moments where they an actor transformed themselves or a body part in such a way. This is a Nicole Kidman's nose, perhaps, or something. And I'm like, okay, so I'll just need to compare a little bit more. But both movies were good. Rocket Man much better. Go watch it. Um, the other reason I didn't watch a whole lot of horror movies in September, or really any, uh, was because I'm going to Paris at the end of the month, and I wanted to watch some movies, either in Paris or about Paris, whatever, to like sort of psych myself up. My husband watched some of them with me. Um, um, he sat down and watched Amelie, which is my favorite French movie, and I didn't think he would actually sit down and watch it. So, I mean, if you guys haven't seen that, go watch it. Um, but I watched a movie called Midnight in Paris for the first time. It's a Woody Allen movie. Oh. And it was just so good. And I like I know it's maybe not fashionable to like Woody Allen these days, but um, this was a Best Picture nominee from like 2010 that I somehow missed. and. Huh. It was just great. I loved it. This guy, like, he is in love with Paris, and he, he visits there with his fiance, and then every night he gets transported back to the 20s. So he's, like, hobnobbing with, like, Picasso and Hemingway and stuff like that. And it was just oh. a really fun, funny movie. Cool. Um, and then lastly, we sat down and watched Julie and Julia. This is about Julia Child, of course. right? Of you I hadn't had, seen that before? No, I had. I just haven't seen it in a oh. very long time. And so, like, 
tears were streaming down my face the whole time we Isn't watched it. Isn't that also Emma Stone? No, it's Amy Adams. Oh, whatever. You just want Emma Stone to be in everything, don't you? Well, she's better than Amy Adams. Oh, my God. No. Well, she has won an Oscar and Amy Adams has not. So I mean, yeah. But I cannot. And uh, I do have to say Amy Adams wasn't Drop Dead Gorgeous and Emma Stone wasn't. So That's she right. has one point in her favor. I did watch one horror movie, though, because I just I can't help myself. I was really looking forward to watching Satanic Panic. And it finally was released VOD and theatrically like the same day. And so it's a really fun horror comedy. It's got Rebecca Romaine and Jerry O'Connell in it. Huh. And it's filmed here in Dallas. So, I mean, it takes place in Dallas. And it just felt like, you know, watching home. I wish that I would have known that it was filming when it was. I mean, I would have, like, bombed those sets or something. But it's so funny. And Rebecca Romaine is incredibly hilarious in this movie. Far funnier than I've seen her in anything that she's been in. She's good. She's an underrated actress, in my opinion. I mean, and I, I laughed out loud. This movie is – it's really about this pizza delivery girl who has to go way outside of her zone to drop something off in this, like – rich section of Dallas and when she gets there she sort of interrupts this like satanic cult initiation they're trying to raise Baphomet or Baphomet and um, they need a virgin to sacrifice and so she has to <laughs> like avoid all these people all night long and try to save herself it was it was a really fun movie so go check right. it out well, guys, that about ends our Shooting the Flames for October. That's right. We didn't get to read any reviews from you guys, so we love doing that. Go over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and review, and we will read it right here on these episodes. Please. <laughs> Peace. Gaffling. Uh, we also don't have any new patrons to shout out. So if you want to go over to patreon.com slash the you can check out all of our bonus content that we have for as little as $2. And we'll give you a shout out on our next shooting the flames episode. Please. <laughs> <laughs> on Patreon, you can find the great conjunction. Be our patron junction. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I think you spent too much time. No, guys, we love our patrons, and we love it when you guys give us reviews, and it's really important to us, and it helps us a lot. And we've been on a little bit of a drought lately, so it would really be helpful if you did. Yeah, we would appreciate it very, very much. If you have any comments about this episode or others that you've heard, you can let us know on social media, at The Film Flamers, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And as always, you can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733 and let us know all of your comments and all of your questions and all of your concerns really yeah, about there's... any of our episodes or anything that you're looking forward to. There are so many ways to get in touch with us so go out there and do it and stay tuned for the rest of October. We have a lot of stuff coming at you. In fact, I think we're devoting this entire month pretty much to Stephen King. That's right. Like we said earlier, we're going to have a hot take on It Chapter 2 which I know a lot of you guys have seen. We'll be discussing Creep Show in our Film Flamers Deep Dive. And we have a special top 10 for all the horror this month, counting down our top 10 favorite Stephen King adaptations. So look forward to that. I'm sorry, did you want to say one of those? No. <laughs> You're making a face. <laughs> sorry, I was just thinking about a maximum overdrive. <laughs> we made you! <laughs> what are you waiting for, huh? <laughs> Wrong movie, but it really fits. Well, guys, until later in October, sweet, sweet dreams. dreams. We made you. 
Please. <laughs> Please. <laughs> mm. 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 Yeah, fine. 